This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. I asked a group of adults one time, tell me your most significant memory of college, those of you that went to college. And it was interesting, the differences of what people recalled, the the people who were athletes, it didn't matter if they were male or female, if they were athletes, they would recall immediately a football game, a basketball game, a, a soccer game, a volleyball game, where some significant victory took place. We were going to lose, and then, but we won. And they recounted those experiences. Others that were more perhaps into academics talked about a class that they were worried about failing or a final exam that was just unbelievably difficult. Some talk about romance and they say, well, I used to date a guy and I've always wondered, you know, where he is, what's he doing now? And with uh, Facebook, you know, people reconnect with people and all that. And so different things were important to different people. And I have a college memory that I don't even know why I remember this. But it evidently made a big impression on my life, and I want to share it with you today. It was at 2 in the morning. I was living in the the boys' dorm at the time. And I walked out into the hallway, thinking that everyone must be asleep at 2 in the morning. There was one door open on this long hallway, and light coming out from that room into the hallway, spilling out into the dark hallway. So I walked down toward the light looked in the room, and there one young man who lived in the room was asleep, but the other one was sitting with one of those bendable lamps over his desk, and he had a lot of paper spread out in front of him. So I walked in and said, what are you doing? You studying for a test, cramming for a, a final or something? And he said, no. He said, I've been working on the plan for my life. And he said, I literally have mapped out my life from here, from today, to the rest of my life, and he literally did have what he wanted to be doing in 10 years, and then he had 15 years, and then 20 years, and 25, and 30. And I was awestruck that somebody would plan out their life like that because I was worried about what I was going to have for breakfast the next morning, you know, which button I would press on the vending machine for a bag of chips or a brownie for breakfast. That was my big concern at two in the morning. And I, I mean that. That's all the farther... I was looking ahead, and yet not making fun of him at all, not mocking what he did, because I know he did it sincerely. I want to share this with you as lovingly as I know possible. Life didn't work out that way. He's dead. Died of a terminal illness at a young age. And life did not go the way he planned. And and I'm not, again, mocking anything that he did. It was a lesson to me. Maybe this is why I remember it is that we can make our plans, the Bible says that in Proverbs 16, 9, but the Lord determines our steps, which is an interesting phrase. I make the plans, and God says, I'll determine the steps, and that may be a defining moment for somebody in this room to know that today, that we make our plans, and you may plan out your life, and you may be into plans and date books and calendars, And you plan on your life, but you have discovered, and you will discover if you haven't already, that life doesn't go according to the plan. Rarely does. Whether it's your family, whether it's your career, whether it's your education, 
Things happen, both good and bad. Things happen, both positive and negative. Things happen, both joyous and tragic, because that's the nature of life. Well, we just finished a sermon series in the book of James. This week we begin a brief series, a mini-series in the book of Jeremiah that I think speaks to what we're going through as a country, as a state, as a nation. God bless you as you listen all this week to this message from Jeremiah 10. I'm convinced there are some verses that we learn as a child from our mom or dad. And maybe some of you didn't have that opportunity, and I understand that because of the nature of your upbringing. But the verses we learn in Bible school or vacation Bible school or church camp, we still remember those verses, and they're verses that we learn out of devotional study. But then there are verses that we learn the hard way. There are verses we learn the hard way, and that's what we're going to study today, a passage where this is a verse that most of you have learned or will learn, including me, will learn it the hard way. I want you to turn to Jeremiah 10. Jeremiah says this, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It is not, underline the word not, it is not for man to direct his steps. And then from Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. I include that passage to say this. The biggest temptation in somebody's life in this room is to trust in yourself more than you trust in God Almighty. And there's a woman here today. The biggest temptation in your life is not to commit some dastardly sin and and do something immoral. It's to trust in yourself more than you trust in the Lord. And maybe today, maybe today, this day, that will change. Verse 23, I want to go back to Jeremiah 10, 23. I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his steps. May I tell you in plain English what that verse means? You're not in charge, and neither am I. You are not in charge of what happens in your life, and maybe there was a point in your life where you thought you were in charge of everything, and you were in charge of what happened, and you were the captain of your fate and the master of your destiny, but you come to a place in your life in your 30s or 40s or 50s or whenever, and you wake up to this reality of Jeremiah, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his steps. There's been a professor at Cincinnati Christian University. I'm not even sure if he's still there. His name is Dr. Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith and his wife had a little boy, only one son, named Taylor, who was born with 8 to 10 major birth defects. I'm not talking about minor problems. These were major birth defects, significant problems. He was in the hospital for months when he was born, came home with all kinds of medical equipment, and Bruce would tell me that the baby's room looked like a hospital room. They had monitors. One of the problems with the baby had central sleep apnea, not obstructive apnea, where there was a blockage in the throat like some men and women have with with sleep apnea and snoring. It wasn't that kind of apnea. It was central apnea where the baby's brain wasn't working right, and so the, the baby would just shut down. 
from breathing and an alarm would go off. And I was so touched by this, what Bruce told me. He and I had lunch in Texas one time, and he said, Randy, there is many a Sunday when I get up to preach in the pulpit where I haven't had one minute of sleep all night on Saturday night. And I can't imagine that. Well, we'll continue this message tomorrow on Crossover, a message that we began yesterday from the book of Jeremiah. It's a powerful message about the fact that you and I are not in control of a thing called our lives. The Lord ultimately takes credit for that. Our website is crosshope.org. That's one word, crosshope.org. God bless you. He said, Randy, there is many a Sunday when I get up to preach in the pulpit where I haven't had one minute of sleep all night on Saturday night. And I can't imagine that. I personally cannot imagine being up all Saturday night and then trying to get up and to cognitively think and get your thoughts together and to to preach a message. But Bruce said that was routine for me. He said, my wife and I were nurses 24-7 for this child. And it was several years, like three or four years, seven days a week, 24 hours a day before somebody in the church who was an ICU nurse said, Bruce, I want you and your wife to go away this weekend. I'll take care of Taylor. And he said that was the first break they had in like three or four years. It was an unbelievable tour of duty that they had to go through with Taylor. And he would say that Taylor was their assignment from God, which was an interesting thought in itself. He said, Taylor was our assignment. God said, here's your assignment for your life. At lunch, I asked Bruce a question that I ask a lot of people because I'm interested. And I said, Bruce, if you don't mind my asking this question, what's the most important lesson that you've learned through your experience with Taylor? Bruce didn't think. He didn't pause. He didn't rub his chin for two minutes and say, let me think about that. When I said, Bruce, what's the most important lesson you've learned? He said that I'm not in control, that I am not in control of this thing called life, but God is. And he said, secondly, I've learned that God is sovereign, meaning God is God and I'm not. That's what the sovereignty of God means. He's God and I'm not. He's in charge. I want to suggest to you today some thoughts about this verse, about my life is not our own. Proverbs 19.21 says this, Many are the plans in in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Think about that. Many are the plans in a man or woman's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. What does that mean? You can take your day timer and plan your life out, and you can get up at 2 in the morning and Work on your plan for your life, but it's God's purpose that prevails. Have you ever used a phrase about somebody in your family? Don't raise your hand, but the phrase control freak. Has anyone ever called you a control freak? We all know what that means. A person who tries to manage everything and control everything. And I'm going to say something that will surprise you. There's no room in the Bible for control freaks. There is no room in Scripture that I know of in the kingdom of God for control freaks because there's only one who says, I'm in charge, and that's the Lord God Almighty. The Lord God Almighty. I think some people are afraid of verse 23 because to acknowledge that it's not my plans that are always going on, that if if I acknowledge that my life is not my own and I acknowledge that it's not for me to direct my steps, That's threatening to some people. That's frightening. 
And yet, here's what I want to say to you. I said it in the first two services. This may be the most religious moment for somebody today to come to the place where you recognize that verse 23 isn't just a verse out of the Bible. It happens to be a reality of your life, to recognize that you're not in control. It's not your own life. Your life is not your own. It's not for you to direct all your steps. But God's hand is above your hand and directing what happens in your life. Do you know what the alternative to believing that is? Despair. Depression. Anxiety of all kinds, if you ultimately really believe that you're in control. Well, is any of this resonating with anybody today? It is with me. Many of us think that we've been in control of our lives when we haven't been. Crosshope.org. Because you come to the place in your life where you say, you know, I made a wrong decision in 63, and I made a wrong decision in 67, and I made a wrong decision in the 70s, and and then the 80s, I made some really big bad decisions. And you see the pattern in your life that you know that looking at what you've done hasn't been the best for a thing called your life. I know many of you have heard this before. You've read it. You probably have it in a book somewhere, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. When he was seven years old, his family was forced out of their home on a legal technicality. He had to work to support his family. At age nine, his mother died. At 22, he lost his job as a store clerk. He wanted to go to law school, but his education wasn't good enough. At 23, he went into debt to become a partner in a small store. At 26, his partner died, leaving him a huge debt that took years to repay. At 28, after courting a girl for four years, he asked her to marry him. She said no. At 37, on his third try, he was elected to Congress, but two years later, he failed to be reelected. At 41, his four-year-old son died. At 45, he ran for the Senate and lost. At 47, he failed as a vice presidential candidate. At 49, he ran for the Senate and lost. At 51, he was elected president of the United States. His name, of course, was Abraham Lincoln. Some people get all the breaks. Some people get all the breaks. Well, you see what I'm saying is that God's hand still prevailed. Get this. This is really important. Over failure, rejection, disappointment, dejection, all the words you want to use, God's hand was still there guiding, I believe, his life. You say, what does that have to do with me? Rejection, disappointment, sadness. Grief, all those things are in your life or will be in your life. And you've got to believe today that God's hand somehow is above your hand and your life is not your own. It's not for you to have the final word on what happens in your life, but God is in control. I think one of the most spiritual prayers that a parent can pray for a child, adult child or child at home, is this prayer. Lord, I pray that my son or daughter will will the will of God in their life. That's not a play on words. Listen to it again. I pray that my son or my daughter will will the will of God in their life. What does that mean? That they will decide that what they want is the will of God. That they come to a place in their life in their 20s, 30s, 40s, maybe even 50s of saying, it's not my will, but his that you pray for a son or daughter to come to the place where they will 
the will of God in their life. It becomes a part of their lives. You are either living in submission to the will of God or you're living as a slave to your own will. You are either living in submission to the will of God, and so am I, or we're living as a slave to our own will. Which is it? If you get to the place where you acknowledge, I have been a slave to my own will, you will find out that it's a dead-end street. It's depressing. It's sad. It's anxiety-producing to be a slave to your own will. But there is a freedom, and there is a deliverance and a release that comes to a man or woman who says, Jeremiah 10 23 is true. Lord, I know. I know experientially, Jeremiah says. I get it that a man's life is not his own and it's not for him to direct his steps. Well, as we come close to the end of another month, our prayers are for this country, for our community, our state. I hope you're doing the same. Crossope.org. How many of you remember a TV show that used to be on every Saturday, I think for 15 or 20 years on ABC, called ABC Wide World of Sports? Remember that with Jim McKay? I watched it regularly just to see the opening of the program. Didn't necessarily watch the program, but I always watched the opening. It's where the announcer would talk about the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And when the announcer said the agony of defeat, it showed a skier. Olympic skier coming down a ski jump, and he just tumbles head over heels, hitting a supporting structure, and you just think this must be awful. Uh, He survived with just a concussion. But here's what people don't know about that incident. He didn't fall because of his inexperience or lack of skill. He fell because as he was coming down the ski run, He realized that the surface was too slick and he was going too fast. And so, as I understand it, he was doing some things with his skis to slow himself down, going down that jump. But in the process of slowing himself down, he fell and tumbled off into the the side railings of that device or that structure. And here's the thing that the thought occurred to me. In order to to stop himself from going a distance that would have been fatal. If he would have continued at that speed, he would have landed in an area that was too dangerous to land in. It was beyond the safety zone is what they call it, I think. So he had to make a decision. I've got to slow down and I've got to stop. I think you know where I'm going with this. There's somebody here listening to me today in all three services. There's something going on in your life and there's a trajectory going on in your life. You're going in a direction that the most spiritual thing anyone could tell you to do would be this. Stop. Stop it right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but there's something that needs to stop. There's something that needs to change. It could be an attitude of your spirit. It could be an an attitude towards somebody in your family, an attitude toward one of the people you work with. I don't know what it is. It's none of my business what it is. But it's better to change course than to have something worse happen later on. Emotionally, something worse morally, something worse spiritually in your life. I think you know where I'm going with this, that there are times when the most spiritual thing a man or woman can do is stop what I'm doing and change course and go in another direction. It's called conversion. It's called coming to Christ. It's called coming to your senses. It's called waking up and discovering 
what really matters in life and the spiritual reality that there is in life. This is a verse that I call a life changer. I don't necessarily think that every verse is that crucial, even though I believe it's an inspired Word of God, and please don't misunderstand that comment. But there are verses that I share from time to time that I call life changers. Today was one of them. Meaning that if all you heard today was me read 23, verse 23 out of chapter 10, it could be a life-changing experience. I know, Lord, experientially, I know that a man's life is not his own. And it's not for him to direct his steps. For you to hear that, not only intellectually and audibly in your mind, but to hear it on the inside where you really live can make all the difference, all the difference in somebody's future. Decide to believe, verse 23, that I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart, as Proverbs says. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm not going to look at myself as the final authority on anything that recognize that God is the final authority on everything. Our website is crosshope.org. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Crosshope is listener-supported and is produced by Crosshope Ministries, Incorporated.